same. Our past doesn't matter. Our future's in your hands. And when we grasp that love you have for us, we walk boldly into that future. We don't have anything to fear. We don't know the outcome. But we know that your love for us is unchanging, continual, abiding, and relentless. And that that's a promise and that's a hope for freedom. And let us walk in that belief in your name. Amen. Grab a seat, my friends. Hey, can you shut that door? Thank you, worship team. If you've ever wanted to be on the worship team, please come and join us. Talk to Jen afterwards. We're uh, looking for a few new musicians. Not because these people aren't incredible. You're great. Thanks, Scott. But um, because they need a week off. Plus, we all know next summer, Scott goes to climb the trail to Mordor yet again. Year after year on that quest. You think I'm kidding. (laughs) I will say this. Every time I say it, he never denies it. He only laughs. We just know he goes to New Zealand for three weeks, and I ask, and he never denies it. He just laughs. So, I'm glad you're here today. Um, the last two weeks, I talked about rest and why we need rest in our lives and how we're on this continual quest, and we struggle, and we're busy, and yet we're exhausted, and our lives are full, and then we struggle with guilt if we're not doing something. I should be doing something. And so we feel bad because we don't do enough and it doesn't become about who we are. It becomes about what I do. We define ourselves by what we do. We define ourselves by what we have. We define ourselves in all the wrong ways. And so we're exhausted and yet we don't have that ever that sense of what God promised us, which is a Sabbath, which is a rest, which is a place to dwell in him. And it's not that we're bad people. In fact, it's that we want to be good. And we can't balance all of our obligations. So then I feel guilt and I feel shame and I feel inadequate. I'm not a good enough person. I don't do enough. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough sibling. I'm not a good enough employee. I'm not good enough for any of these things because I always think, well, there's one more thing I could do. And then we set ourselves up for failure because in our minds, if we're already thinking we're not good enough, then we're not really going to engage in relationship with those around us. Because I'm going to come up short anyway, so why put in who I am? I'm not talking about the effort. You might do the work, but you're not really putting in who you are as a person. And so that's our quest. And when that becomes our quest, we end up feeling anger and resentment either towards ourselves, towards others, towards God, or towards all of it. Because it doesn't matter what I do, it's never going to be good enough. Have you ever thought that in your own mind? Whatever I do, it's never going to be good enough. Good. Me and three people. All right, the rest of you are dismissed. I'll talk to just you three and myself today. But see, here's the thing. I talked a little bit about a solution for those feelings, and that is to recognize, why do I feel this way? The truth is, it's a lie of the enemy that if I just do a little more, if I'll just do a little more, then you'll be accepted. Then you'll be loved. Then you'll be good enough. And so... The solution is to recognize that it's a lie, to accept who I am in Christ. You are his child. You are called by him. And to learn to rest in the Sabbath that he's promised us. When I begin to understand the idea that he created Sabbath, not because I'm supposed to 
work until I die six days of the week and then rest, but because he looks at us and says, you're already enough, come and rest in me. So today we're going to continue discovering and reaffirming who you already are in Christ. Some of you go, I know who I am in Christ. Awesome. I got a list, I made a list of, I think, 60-something things. I got, I mean, I went to the internet, of course, and found their lists and then compiled my own. But I got a list of 60 things. But since I don't want this to be a 52-week series, we're going to talk about three or four a week for the next few weeks because I want you to understand who you are in Christ. None of this is earth-shattering. In fact, somebody told me last week, you know, we already kind of know that. And I was like, absolutely, so why don't we live it? And then they had no answer. You're right, we know it, so why don't we live it? Because we don't believe it. Knowing something and actually believing it are two different things. So, first off, I'm here to tell you today, I am loved, meaning you. You are loved. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 tells us this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Wait, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us? We are not deserving of love and yet he looks down and he loved us. Not conditionally. He gives no conditions on that. God looks and he says, I love you. Without regard for what I have done for him, what I could someday do for him, what I may amount to, there's no conditions. You are loved simply because you exist. And he wants you to learn that, believe it, and walk in it. And when we do, we begin to approach people differently. He loves you simply because of your humanity. He could have again created just another being. It says the angels stand before him and they fall down on their face every time they look at him. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It says then they stand up, they behold his glory and they do the same because they are compelled to. But he created humanity and it tells us that he created humanity. He created you and me and gave us free will. The only creature that really has free will. Animals have survival instinct. Humanity has free will, which means you can choose to accept Jesus. You can choose to reject him. That's your choice. But within that choice, he looks and he says, but I love you and I desire relationship with you. Not you have to have relationship with me. There's nothing in here about if you don't love me back, you're in trouble. It says it's because of which, because of his great love, with which he loved us. Number two thing, that who we are in Christ. I am not bound by my old ways. You all think I'm going out of Corinthians? I'm not. See, that's where I took a turn. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. says, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Some of you notice that I use the term our creator often because I believe that we as a people the creation need to reconnect with the creator I used to have a t-shirt that actually said reconnecting the creation with the creator because I believe that God created us not because he had to 
but because he wanted somebody who freely would choose him. And see, that alone sets us apart. And because we have that free will, as I just talked about a moment ago, because of that, we can choose him or we can reject him. And in that, we can know him. We are the creation that gets to know the creator. I love to be out in nature. Some of you know that. But it's funny because I often say, I like to sit and look at nature, but not really have to do anything. So let me drive to a mountain and then just sit there and stare. I don't want to hike. That seems like a lot of sweaty work. When I'm at our cabin, we have this little one-room cabin in the woods that I convinced my wife to go to. It was probably 10 years since I've last convinced her to go. And uh, six, seven. But we go out and we sit there and I sit at the lake and I'll stare up at the stars at night. And literally I sat there for an hour or more just staring and going, why? With everything that's out there, why? Why this speck on this place? And yet, I feel the creator in the very cosmos. And so some people are saying, Jeff, you don't understand much. That's fine. But I don't believe it was accidental. And I don't believe it was happenstance. And I'm not bound by my old paths and my old ways. I get to, as the creation, connect with my creator in a way that nothing else on this earth does, that only humanity can do. I am not bound by my past sin. That's behind me. And freedom is afforded me. And there's a promise for a hope and a belonging that I get that others outside of humanity can't understand. And the beauty is, it's not because of how good this guy is. It's because of how good God is, which means you, as a sinner, can connect with that creator in a way that takes us to a place and in a level that other creation doesn't even get. Other creation doesn't get it. It says all creation cries out. Creation worships God. But they don't get the same thing because they aren't chosen. They aren't humanity. They don't have a choice. They reflect who he is, but they don't have a choice. Because the promise of my future means I'm not bound by my old ways. It doesn't matter what I did. My past doesn't handcuff me. My mistakes aren't the defining factor. The worst day of my life isn't how I'm known. The third thing we see in Christ is, I am complete in him. Colossians 2.10 tells us this, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. If I'm complete, I can stop working to be loved. If I am complete, I am enough in him. If I am complete, then I don't have to earn grace. Continually, constantly, we're trying to earn grace. I don't have to earn grace. Romans 5, 17 tells us this. For if by one man's offense... Death reigned through the one. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the afterlife through the one, Jesus Christ. 
Verse 18, therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. That justification of life means this. You can't earn it, but you get it if you ask for it. You can't do enough. You can't. You can't do enough. And yet he looks and he goes, you are enough. You are enough. You can't earn it. It's not something you can buy. It's not something that you can bargain for. But it's for you. And the beauty in that and the freedom in that and the hope in that is that you're complete in him. I don't have to chase that feeling. I don't have to chase that being loved. I have to accept it. I have to be willing to allow it to be a part of who I am. But if I don't have to earn grace, the flip side of that coin is that I have the freedom to give grace to others. I have the freedom to choose to give grace to others. And the reason I word it that way is is this. If I'm always striving to earn grace, I'm never going to have enough to give it away. But if that grace is free to me and abundant and overflowing, then I'm compelled, something deep within my soul is compelled to give that grace to others. I can't say, hey, I've worked hard to get this and you need to also. But too oftentimes Christians want to say, you got to be just like me and you got to do and do and do. And we create this system that says, if I'm not doing enough, then I'll never be enough and God will never love me enough. But I'm here today to say, because grace is free and you can't earn it, you can give it freely to all those who need it. And the reason we put rules and restrictions and the reason we get caught up in legalism is we forget that grace was given to us free and we think other people, well, they're a bad person, Jeff. You don't know what they've done. And I always look and say, I don't care. And when people say, well, I don't know if God can really forgive them, then you don't have a concept of what grace is. Because if you think it takes too much for God to forgive somebody, then you really don't understand what grace means. Because you are never too far. You have never done too much. So, Jeff, are you saying a mass murderer could receive grace? Absolutely. Are you saying this person that hurt me could receive grace? Absolutely. I've told you before, no one has the right to hurt you. And if you're in a relationship where somebody is hurting you, talk to me. I will help you out of that relationship. Nobody has the right to. But by the same token, nobody has the right to have hurt you years ago and make you still carry the guilt and the shame and the pain from that. Don't let them win. Offer them the grace. And I always say, forgive and forget is the worst phrase ever. It's forgive and release. I forgive you. I release you of what you hold over me and against me. That doesn't mean I have to be in relationship with you because you're a hurtful, damaging person. But I'm going to release it. I'm not going to forget because it's still there. And if we tell people forgive and forget, then every time they remember, who feels bad? They do. That's not fair. They were sinned against and now they feel bad every time they think about it. That's not the God who looks at you and says, I want so much more for you. I want you to be free. The God who wants you to be free says, forgive and release and don't carry the weight of what they did to you any longer. I have something better for you. I'm free from the law 
of sin and death. This one's critical for us as believers. We're all sinners. If you didn't know that, and today's the first time you heard it, first off, I'm sorry to shake your world. If you already knew you were a sinner, but didn't know that there was hope, I'm here to tell you there's hope. Meet with me. Let's talk. If you're a sinner and you know that there's hope, but you just don't know if it's for you, let's talk through that. Why do you feel that way? Because you've all done things. We're all sinners. But we're also free from the law of sin and death. For the law of sin, I'm sorry, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Well, what does that mean, Jeff? What is the law of sin and death? It doesn't mean there's no consequences for sin. There's still consequences for your sin. You may still have to pay the price. If you break the law and get arrested, you may still have to pay the price. But that price isn't the eternal damnation. That price isn't the eternal. My debt's been paid, and the eternal punishment is no longer hanging over my head. So many of us walk around as if God is standing there with this thin little string and an anvil, almost like in the old cartoons, just waiting until you do something wrong, and then he snips that string, and it crushes you. And that's how we, in our mind, now we go, no, not literally, but in our mind, we know God's just waiting to get us. And people have told me, Jeff, you know, I've done terrible things in my past. And I would go, yep, I believe you. Because I'm a sinner. I love Paul's words, the greatest of all sinners and the least of all saints. And the reason I love it is because, man, could I give him a run for his money on both categories. I am such a sinner. And yet because of him, I don't fear my future. I embrace who I am in him. It gives me my hope and it gives me my life and it gives me my very breath in the morning. I have not reached or attained perfection, nor will I. But I am free from the law of sin and of death. The debt has been paid and I need to walk in that. So when I know who I am in Christ... The slate is wiped clean. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Not your sins are forgiven. Don't you ever forget about them. He looks and he says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Much of our time and effort in this life is spent trying to appease God. If I can just do enough, if I just invite enough people to church, if I just am nice enough to puppies and kittens, if I'm just whatever it is in our mind... If I just do enough, then God accepts me. But the math will never add up because you can never do enough to earn that. And yet he looks and he says, it's free that I love you, that I have a plan for you, that I have called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Now walk in that light and go and sin no more. I'm not bound by what I've done. I'm freed from it. Not freed so I can sin again. Freed so I don't have to anymore. When I know who I am in Christ, then I have opportunity to share who I am and what God has done in me with others. When I'm always worried about my past, I'm never going to share the reality 
and the truth of the freedom I've been given. Because I'm always going to be worried, well, what if they found out I did this? What if they found out I've done that? What if they find out who I really am? But see, when I walk in that, when I am freed from that, it doesn't matter. I can tell them and not worry about my past. When we genuinely love people, they will begin to want the experience of understanding why they're loved. It changes us and it challenges us. When I know who I am in Christ, I can have confidence. John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He gave them the right to become the children of God. Do you understand the beauty of that? As his child, there are some incredible advantages. You are an heir to the kingdom. Child of the king has access to the entire kingdom. You get to approach the very throne of God, not because you're so good, but because Jesus has forgiven you. And here's the thing. You don't need me. You don't need any other mediator. You don't need any other person. It says you can approach the throne of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You, an individual and former sinner, loved so much by God that he would sacrifice his son, not to condemn you, but to free you from all of that. You, you are called, and you are chosen, and you have access to the throne room of God. And it doesn't matter what your struggles are. It doesn't matter that you still struggle with anxiety and fear and depression and isolation and you still have this ongoing sin he looks and he goes none of that matters because you are called and you are chosen and he's going to walk you through that I'm not the same person I was 5 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago and yet I'm still not the person God is going to help me become because I continue to pursue him to know him, to love him to discover him I'm not bound by that. And my future is wide open to become everything God created me to be, just as yours is. So if I am loved by God, chosen by God, forgiven by God through Christ, there is nothing stopping me from becoming all that God created me to be. God created you for so much more than you can imagine. To do works far beyond, and I don't mean works that earn. I mean works that reflect his glory and his beauty in you. I talked a little bit about Michelangelo last week about how when he said, when they were talking to him about how he carved the statue of David, he said, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. It's in there all the time. This beauty of who you are. It's in there. And who you're becoming. It's there. And God's shaping and smoothing 
and chipping away and helping you become the person he created you to be that was lost because you were stuck in sin. And then you've moved beyond the sin, but you still hold on to the past and you hold on to the fear and you hold on to the anxiety and you hold on to all these things and all those things are real. But all those things are things we can be freed from. And as we become who he created us to be, we are going to discover a freedom that he wants for you. And that's a beautiful thing. There's something more for you. And it's about becoming, not about doing. It's about being in his presence. And the more time I spend in his presence, the more I'm going to reflect what he looks like. Father God, it's my prayer today that that is who we are. Not just that we know what we can be in Christ, but that we believe it, that we grab it, we buy it, we accept it, we hold on to it, we cling to it. And as we do that, we share and we show with those around us that same reality. God, as we look at your word over the next three weeks and talk about who we are in Christ, may we not just hear a message, but may we discover the truth. Let that be the reality of our lives in your name. Amen. So I hope you'll continue to join me as we